hear this? The audio sounds nice and clean, doesn't it? Well, don't get too used to it, because we had some recording problems with this week's Coffee Shop Conversations at Artichoke Music, which were all our faults. So, the conversation with Marv Ross of Quarterflash and the Trail Band is, let's say, a little fuzzy. We tried fixing it, but it's about as good as it's going to get. Marv was so good that I didn't want to do it all over again, and that's... That's entertainment. Marv has a couple of new projects he's going to tell us about. And, and you thought ending Quarter Flash and the Trail Band was going to be all that we hear from Marv? Well, no way. Rindy either. One of the projects is a duo album. And you can live with the audio problem. Okay? Here we go. Marv, welcome to, to uh, uh, Artichoke Music. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. Yeah, nice to see you. Even you though we, we, we think we've never met. <laughs> I think we've met. We could have met. We could have. Yes, we, and, and p- people who have been around as long as we have. It's bound to have happened. Yes. <laughs> we just, maybe we just can't remember. That's it. That's not good. No, it's not. <laughs> well, at least I remembered your name. <laughs> and I yours. <laughs> that's, that's progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... So you, since since you retired, your work seemed to be working a lot. I know everybody's been saying that, and it's true. Yeah, yeah. Since uh, we retired Quarterflash and the Trail Band this year, yeah, um, two projects have popped up that have turned uh, turned out to be uh, having a lot of you know steam, and I didn't expect that to happen, uh-huh. but um, it's working out real exciting, and so I'm just going with it. And, you know, if it's busy, it's busy, and yeah. that's great. Yeah. So yeah. So you're playing here at at the Artichoke. Yes. We'll be doing music from the two new CDs that I'm working on producing. And uh-huh. uh, one is the one with John Kuntz uh-huh. and Doug Frazier. Uh, we're calling ourselves Kuntz, Ross, and Frazier. And um, so it's a uh, Americana album, uh-huh. and it's uh, it's really coming out brilliant, and we love it. And we're down to the final mixes. And then uh, Randy and I are also, at the same time, working on a duet acoustic album. Uh-huh. Really different, more kind of in the mode of uh, sort of Court and Spark, Joni Mitchell style of music. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You do have a, a video up. Yes, we do. Of the Kuntz, uh, 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 yeah, Ross, and uh, Frazier, uh, yeah. Now, did you write that or did it was a collaboration? I wrote or? the song. You, you did? Yeah, and I brought it to John. And I said, I think this is this would be a great one for us to do together. That was and, a good choice. Yeah, and I played it for him, and he just went, oh, man, that's, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. So we just sat down. Doug Frazier was there. He set up the mics, and we just recorded it live without a click track, without anything. We just, just the two of us looking at each other in the eyeball wow. and played it. Wow. And then after we finished it, Doug... Uh, put a bass part on it and then mm-hmm. we brought it we thought it needed sort of a, a dobro-ish kind of uh, effect in there uh-huh. so we called our buddy Tony Furtado the best slide guitar player in Portland for yeah. acoustic music yeah. Yeah. and Tony laid down a beautiful beautiful solo and some fills mm-hmm. and then Rindy was the last one she came in and she sang over top of John's part and it was done and then uh, that night I was thinking of this song and how powerful it was and I thought we should just go into a church and do this video yeah. and so I called yeah. the old Pioneer Church in Selwood and mm-hmm. I rented the, sh- the church for a couple hours mm-hmm. literally went in two hours we shot that video wow. and uh, and then Doug edited it down mm-hmm. and we put it on the on my Facebook post and then you know, in a, within a couple of months, it was over 40,000 people. So it's almost 50,000 yeah. now. Yeah. But what you haven't mentioned yet is what it's about. Oh, well, yes, what it's about. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, the song is it's called uh, I Won't Sing Here Anymore. And yeah. it's, it's, it's really taken um, from the point of view 
of uh, a man who has uh, finally come to a, a decision in his life that he's going to leave a church that, his, that he went to his whole life and his family went to, uh-huh. that he used to love tremendously and has um, a lot of affection for this church. But the church has uh, sort of become politicized uh-huh. and... Um, has sort of sided with uh, what I would call Donald Trump values, and, right. and so um, there, he arrives at this decision to leave this church. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the very last shot is, and John Coons. It's just just John in the video. I'm not in the video. Doug's not in the video. Yeah. He's all by himself, and at the very end, he walks down the aisle and he, he walks out the door, and the door closes, and that's how the video ends. And the emotional response from people has been staggering. I mean, I have probably. I would say somewhere around 500 to 1,000 comments on that video, and um, they're just all people going, "Oh my gosh, you know, that made me cry." Mm -hmm. And it's because you know, it's not about losing faith; it's about that 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 sometimes churches become politicized and and they go in a direction that don't match a person's values. Yeah. So is um, it autobiographical? um, No, it's not. Although it Mm -hmm. was it was inspired by an article that I read Uh uh, on on the internet about um, a family. A man and a woman and her children in uh, in the South that uh, left their church. Huh. That really isn't anything new. No, it's not. Except it, it's it's just really meaningful in these times. It is meaningful in these times, yeah. and it's um, I think that um, it hasn't been said in this way before. Yeah. I, I think I think what you know people tend to do is is take the easy way out if they're going to protest something and just. Um, you know, take a shot at religion in general. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to be very specific that it wasn't about that. And the, the last verse, in fact, he is, is referencing Jesus, and there's a picture of Jesus behind John when he sings that verse. And, and, it, and it's all about how, you know, he sees, um, you know, there, that's the king who uh, took the fall, and um, he doesn't wear a crown of gold or diamonds. Yeah. Is, you know, so it's, yeah. it's all about being humble. It's about... Um, fighting greed. It's about um, being empathetic. It's all those things, the values uh, for that man in that video. That's what that's about. And he's got such a sad face. Well, John's perfect in that role. I mean, when he yeah. sang the song, yeah. he said, how do you want me to sing this? And I said, John, what do you what do you think? Because you know, now I've played it for you with my voice. And he goes, I think I should sound really old. Uh-huh. really tired uh-huh. and I want to be the middle class guy who works at the hardware store in uh-huh. Des Moines, Iowa yeah. and I said that's it let's do that so when we did the video we dressed John like that we put a kind of a rumply white shirt and a tie on him uh-huh. and a, an old jacket that kind of looked like he worked at a hardware store and so yeah. we wanted him to look like middle American uh-huh. mm-hmm. That's not exactly the John Coons that a lot of us have seen over the years. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, John's credit, um, you know, first of all, John's a great songwriter. Yeah. And so for on this record, he sings nine songs that are tunes that I wrote for him. Wow. And so it is an honor to me um, that he was willing to do that um, and sing my music because he's a great writer himself. But mm-hmm. he has absolutely thrown himself into it and has loved the project and he has um, in in these videos that we're planning we're planning more we'll probably do four of them um, you know he is excited about being an actor and he's, he has a natural John just has a just has a character he has a, he has an element of truth that just walks with him so mm-hmm. when he opens his mouth or when he looks up and into the camera what you see is somebody who is just um 
honest, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. grounded, knows who he is, and has been through a lot, you know. And mm-hmm. so that is exactly the voice that I wanted for this album. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the other songs about? The songs are about, um, one song's about um, homeless people. Mm-hmm. It's called New American Blues. Um, I ride my bike three times a week out to Gresham on the spring water. And so for the last oh, five years, I've yeah. been doing that. So I've seen a lot of homelessness going on out there. And, and on my bike, I stop and talk to people. And um, you know, I've given them sandwiches and occasionally some money. And, and I've just kind of um, you know, developed sort of a, an awareness yeah. of what's going on out there. Yeah. And so um, I started following on Facebook, uh, not on Facebook, but on YouTube, mm-hmm. a young teenager in Portland who was posting on his phone every single day, this homeless kid. And he had some mental health issues. He had some really bad issues at home. And he was just doing a running diary. And I got, a lot of people got addicted to him or following him, like me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and there's a sad ending I won't go into, but that 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 kid's... I guess you'd call it a phone diary. Yeah, was the inspiration for that song, and it turned out it is. And that became the title song for the album New American Blues, and it's a long song. I'm not. It's not something I typically do, a six-minute song, uh-huh. but it had that sort of um, almost epic saga quality to the story uh-huh. that I wanted to, you know, really give it its due. Like a John Prine kind of thing. Yeah, um, like a long John Prine thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, John t- John Prine would typically do a three to four-minute song, yeah. and this is about twice that. But it's just each verse is sort of like a new story of what happened mm-hmm. to either this kid or other homeless people that are trying to survive on the streets. Um, and so anyway, that, that's one of the tunes. Another tune's called um, I Can't Run Anymore, and it was inspired by that I developed neuromas in both my feet, and I was an avid, crazy jogger for years, and I loved running, and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and so that became a metaphor for a whole bunch of things in, in people's lives as they get older. Yeah. And so the term I can't run anymore means a lot of different things in the course of that song. There's another song on there called Cross of Gold, which is about sort of taking um, uh, a stab, I guess you'd say, at the way that uh, the mega churches and the big money and uh, the relationship between uh, right-wing politics and um, evangelical Christianity are happening in the, in the yeah. country. Yeah. And that's a pretty tough song. Um, then there's a, there's a couple of really funny ones on there, one called My Self-Inflicted Mess, <laughs> which is just about somebody who keeps getting into the same uh, relationships kind of over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John kills that, and that's a real fun tune. Huh. Um, there's a song on there called The Change, which is one of the only tune that really goes way back with me that I wrote years ago, <laughs> but it seems to still be working. And it's, it's probably the most jaded, cynical thing I've ever written. Really? Yeah, it's really wow. wacky. It's, it's sort of like... Uh, uh, you know, a person confronted with all the strange things in society that kind of smack you on the side of the head and uh, asking you to change in that direction. And so it's all about identity issues and about um, American values and um, just the whole, it sort of captures a little bit of everything. There's another tune on there called um, I'll Give You Something to Cry About, which mm-hmm. was an incident from my childhood when a friend of mine were walking down the street. And it was a kid on our street named Gary Peterson. And Gary uh, was the toughest guy. He always beat up everybody. We were all scared of him. You yeah. know. And uh, one day my friend and I were walking by Gary's house and we peeked over the fence and, and we saw his father uh, beating him up with his fist. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it shocked us. And um, so that song is about that experience and also the feeling of 
why we didn't turn uh, that that man in, even though we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, years past, I always felt guilty that we didn't do something about that situation. Yeah. yeah. So that's a few. Each one of those songs, another one's, about, another one's a really tough song called um, All That Matters, which is a song I wrote after my best friend passed away, right after I walked out of the hospice uh, to see him for the last time. I walked home and just wrote this song, and it turned out to be probably the most powerful song on the record and it's uh i'm real proud of that song and john just absolutely crushes it and i haven't heard anybody listen to it yet that hasn't cried wow <laughs> Rindy wow. has to leave the room every time i turn it on oh, but uh yeah it was sort of one of those songs that just yeah. you know yeah. had to get out you know sort of turn your your sorrow into metaphor kind of huh. a thing you know? so will you be doing some of that we're gonna do all of them we're gonna do all nine songs here yeah uh, uh, wow yeah so that'll be a full wow. hour so uh-huh. that'll be a good way for us to first time ever to do them all in a row. Now we're doing acoustic on the album. A lot of them have drums mm-hmm. and bass, and of course we'll be doing acoustic versions. But they all started as acoustic versions. None of them started as rock tracks. It was something that we uh-huh. decided later on that do these songs work with drums, and we decided that they did, and it gave them sort of a a weight that not having not every song has drums some two songs have no drums including uh, I won't sing here anymore but um, the rest of them do and um, so but they all started as acoustic songs so I think they'll, be, they'll translate great here for people who may not know uh, too much about Doug Fraser what, t- tell us about him Doug and I met in high school. Really? Uh, yeah. We, he went Where'd to, you go to high school? I went to Madison. Did you? Yeah. And wow. Doug went to Grant. And between the Madison District and the Grant District is a park called Fern Hill Park, mm-hmm. right on Killingsworth and 42nd. And Doug and I played at the Babe Ruth there. And uh, he was on one team and I was on another. So <laughs> I knew who he was. He had a nasty curve. He left-handed pitch. <laughs> anyway. Uh, he left so, it with control? <laughs> absolutely. Whoa. Yeah. It's uh, unusual. So, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he and I would just see each other every now and then. He got more into electric blues, and I got more into singer-songwriting stuff with Rindy. Mm-hmm. And we just stayed in contact. And then in, in the late 80s, uh, Quarter Flash broke up, and I was looking to get a new Quarter Flash together. And, yeah. and, I, and I, of course, I thought of Doug and um, brought him in to play a few tracks on that record and mm-hmm. just crushed him. And then I said... We just like to be a permanent member of Quarter Flash. Mm-hmm. So from the late 80s up until we just retired the band recently, which has been 20-some years, you know, Doug was the lead guitar player in Quarter yeah. Flash. Um, and he's also been doing a lot of engineering lately. He has a little home studio. Mm-hmm. So all these tracks started in Doug's um, little studio, and then we moved to Bob Stark's bigger studio to add drums yeah. and stuff. Bob Stark's been on the, on the podcast. Has he? Yeah. 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 I like him. He's great. Um, so why why did you retire both bands? Well, for me, it was just that I, for almost 40 years, I've been in charge of big productions. Yeah. You know, so obviously with Quarter Flash, we toured, you know, for, you know, up 10 years pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. And then another 15 or 20 years we kept playing. And, um, you know, it's a lot of work to make sure everything is, you know, big sound system, lights, um, you know, big crew. Um, it's, it's, you know, you're feeding people, you're making sure. It's, you know, early on when we had a lot of success, we had road managers and regular managers and agencies and yeah. labels and all these people who were doing all the heavy lifting. And then mm-hmm. later on in the process, after a decade of that, that fell away. And so then it was just me and Rindy doing that. And mm-hmm. so... 
uh, you know, we just we just got tired of doing it. Same with the trail band. It was the Christmas show. It was a huge project, mm-hmm. you know, every year. Mm-hmm. And um, working, you know, doing, um, you know, somewhere between 13 and 18 shows every year. Mm-hmm. And that show moved from theater to theater. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a lot of pre-production, a lot of contracts, a lot of work, a lot of hotels. And we're just tired of it. We said, let's just break it down to just doing acoustic music, the two of us. Yeah. I'll throw a couple guitars in the car. Yeah. You yeah. throw your sax in. We'll go. Uh-huh. Done. So how are you going to feel next next uh, Christmas season? I don't know. You know, um, it's a good question. Yeah. I think Rennie will miss it more than I. You know, it's it's interesting. I was a little bit closer to Quarterflash, and she was a little bit closer to the Trail Band. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think when Christmas rolls around, I think it's going to be a little harder for her than me. You know, 25 years in a row is a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> for anything. <laughs> for anything. Yeah, yeah. That really. was an amazing story, an amazing group of human beings, and um, I'm very proud of the stuff that we did. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, we raised over a million dollars for Friends of the Children over the course mm-hmm. of 25 years. So mm-hmm. I was very proud of that too. A great organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about the the album you're working on with uh, with uh, with Rindy. Well, the album with Rindy is. Um, is is a duet album. It starts with just the two of us. I play guitar and she'll sing. We'll just do. We've done, um, I think, seven songs now. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we started out as a couple. Um, we were both went to Madison High School. I was working at Sears of all places uh, after school, and I worked in the Harvard. The one, that, the one that's a uh, 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 government building now. Yes, it's over by Lloyd Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I would work in the hardware department, and then on, then in my break, I would always go over to the appliance section in Sears, and that's where they used to sell records, was in the appliance uh, section. Yeah, right. right and right, so I right. would go over there, and one time I was going, and Rini and I had just began playing together, and um, there was an album in there, and I just loved the cover. It was a painting of this woman's face, and I went, I don't know what this music is, but I just loved the cover. And I used to buy music. I remember when we used to buy albums sure. just based on a cover. Sure. And it was Joni Mitchell's first album. So wow. uh, you, could, you could spend I could spend hours in record stores. Oh, I did. Yeah. We all did. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great thing. Yeah. But uh, so I bought that record for her. Went, went home and played it, and she just absolutely loved it, and I loved it too. And mm-hmm. then I thought, well, maybe I could figure out these songs and we could play some of these in our. Do you remember what 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 what, what yeah, her favorite tune was on that album? Well, both sides now was yeah. you know was yeah. the yeah. Uh, you know it's a classic, and the first time you hear that version of her singing it, it's so simple yeah. her version, so beautiful. Then Judy Collins did a remake of it. I first heard it from Judy Collins. I think most people did because it yeah. was on the radio. It was the hit. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, and Rindy had that version too, which had uh, uh-huh. like a harpsichord yes. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Um, so anyway, I started to try to learn those songs, and I couldn't figure out what she was doing on the guitar. I was like, just, what the hell? And I was, at some point, I went, she must be tuning her guitar differently, you yeah. know? So that started me on this search of, like, well, how is she tuning that guitar? And so I was going, tuning the guitar, and I, I think I ended up, I actually made a, had a little notebook of all the tunings, you know, one tuning after another tuning after another that I found or discovered or tried to figure out that I thought was getting close to what she was doing. And, and, it, and I never did figure out much of what she was exactly doing, but, <laughs> but in the process, yeah. I developed my own guitar tunings and, and started ah. using them, and that was sort of, uh, that was a big 
a big uh, part of what, who we were and how we developed. Like the first quarter flash album is all G tuning every song, mm-hmm. um, and I just began to think. It's almost like another language. You begin to dream and think in that tuning, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just started going from there. I went from G tuning to G major seven tuning to, to G dominant seven tuning to G minor seven. T- I just started going through these tunings, and then the last. Oh, I would say um, 10 years, I've been pretty much staying in G minor 7 tuning, mm-hmm. and these songs all are in that. So they have a Joni, these songs with Rindy yeah. have a Joni Mitchell-esque flavor to them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. And the lyrics are really about a sort of uh, what's happening to uh, our friends and us as we get older. Uh-huh. You know, it's got uh-huh. sort of a journey quality to that record. And, and where where are you in, in 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 that process? That process, we're a little over halfway on mm-hmm. that one. The John John and Doug's uh, album um, is done, and we're now into the final stages of mixing. We've got all the mixes done, so we just need to assemble and get it mastered. What what is your plan? What is your process? What in, in, in assembling an album? I mean, uh, you mean in terms of how the order of the songs, or no, and how you how you how you build songs. Oh, how I build songs. Yeah. Well, you come in with something. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's like um, it, when I turned about fifty, my songwriting became my diary. Uh huh. And it was like everything that anything that I wrote. Um, I just I just didn't have any impetus to write unless it really meant something really personal to me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't just write about oh you know I'll pick a subject and write about it. Right. It had to be something that moved me emotionally. And so uh, as I got older, you know, things started happening different in your life as you get older. Mm-hmm. And so you know I think I started writing sort of to process all the thing of aging of of um, you know just the, there's certain loss that comes with aging. You know we lose friends. Um, you know our careers change everything changes our bodies change mm-hmm. so in a way uh, a lot of these songs are about that and so for me those things kind of bubble up and um and if somebody tells me stories i really mm-hmm. you know really remember them and i and i've written a lot of songs based on somebody uh, there's a song that Randy and i do called um and that's why i can't by, be your friend <laughs> and it was about a woman a friend of ours who mm-hmm. had just gone through divorce and her husband had moved on and he yeah. wanted to come back and be her friend now that oh, they had right. and she and then right. she said uh, you know i can't do this and she told him why and then she told us that story and it's like oh well that's a song right yeah, there you yeah. know so that's sort of how the songs developed the thing that's changed i think the most for me in my writing style is that all the metaphors and all the um, stories and all the people in my life when I dream now, when I dream, they all merge. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of, in my dreaming, there's a lot of transformational stuff going on, like, you know, a cat will turn into my sister, or or, <laughs> or I'm talking to Rindy, and it turns into, uh-huh. you know, um, my cousin, or something like that. All this uh-huh. stuff seems to just change in my dreams, uh-huh. and so... As I've been writing, I just um, I let those things happen automatically without judging them. So verse one verse will will be about one thing, and then the next verse will be a totally different thing, but somehow connect to the chorus line, the refrain. Mm-hmm. And so I leave the refrains kind of big and open that allow me to you know move these different things. I used mm-hmm. to write more. Um, I guess you'd say chronologically or literally, they uh-huh. would be like a beginning and a middle and an end. Yeah. The way John Prime would write a story right. typically, right. beginning, middle, and end, and, and and that's a real process that's hard to learn for songwriters and to be really good at that. And I did that for a long time, and I got so really good. But now it's more like 
um, you know, you, <laughs> it's like you throw a bunch of paint on a, on a canvas that's red, yeah. and then you and then the next thing you put on the canvas is um, not a, not a, not another shade of red or not a darker red, but rather uh, a bright green, yeah. and then you go, yeah. whoa! Uh-huh. Now that creates uh-huh. uh, a chi, uh, for lack of a better word, an energy that is based upon the contrast of the two, not based on the complementary of the two. Uh-huh. So that's sort of how I've been thinking about writing in the last five years. Music first, lyrics first, or, or combination? Both. Both. I sw- I, yeah. I'm always playing guitar. I'm like, so every day mm-hmm. is at least a couple hours. So, so you, you compose basically on the guitar? Yeah. yeah. I used to compose on the piano more, but, oh, yeah? I, but I don't anymore. Huh. I just uh, sort of I realized at a certain point that I had to be better on the piano if I wanted to write on it because oh, I was I yeah, was limiting yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I stopped yeah, doing yeah. that. But I wrote the musical Ghosts of Silo. That that uh-huh. musical was all written yeah. on the piano. Uh-huh. Yeah. How many guitars do you have? I have probably twenty. What's your favorite? Uh, my favorite is a '62 J200. Uh-huh. I used to gig with it, but I'm kind of nervous about gigging with it anymore. Cause Why? Because it, it's, well, it's fragile? Yeah, well, it can be. Gibsons, if they drop, you know, if they fall the wrong way, the, the headstock will pop right off. Oh, you know, they're known for that, and that would be tragic. Um, would, yeah. So that guitar, you know, you know, I bought it for like five grand, but now it's worth like ten grand. So, wow. so it's sort yeah, of like yeah. now I bring, I have these two Gibson songwriters that I bring for, that are, you know, not super expensive, but really well-made guitars, uh-huh. and they sound great amplified, so I use them uh-huh. a lot. Um, my favorite electric is, uh, I have a, an old Rickenbacker, a 60, 1960 Rickenbacker 450 that wow. sounds real chimey and really just yeah, yeah. luscious sound yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, is Rindy involved in, in the songwriting, too? No, uh, typically not. There's a couple of songs we've written together. One is called Love is a Road, which was on the last Quarter Flash album. Mm-hmm. It was a great song that I uh, I needed a melody for. I had all these cool sets of chords, and she, uh, but I couldn't find a melody that I liked. And mm-hmm. cause they were Middle Eastern chords, and I wasn't sure what she could do with them and what she would feel uncomfortable with. And so I thought, I'm just going to let her decide how she would interpret a melody over the top of these chords and then once she did that which was great and she did that with sort of a la 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 into a microphone for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and she spent a long time on it so she got it where she wanted it and then it was pretty easy for me to go back and put the lyrics to her la la la's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but typically now I write the song and then I, I you know she's a great editor and she's been the best sounding board in the world for me she's tough on me and um, you know she asked me God that doesn't quite work or whatever and, yeah, yeah. and um, but if I hit if I hit a home run I, I am watching her and she starts crying or something like that I know yeah. it's like it's the greatest feeling there you in the go. world must be, you go yeah. okay now yeah. that one works yeah. you know yeah. uh, is it, so this album is just the two of you no other, no other players. Well, we'll bring we'll bring in some other players oh, on it. Okay. Um, Sandy Wilson will play uh, bass. He's a fretless bass player. It's sort of nice. that Jocko yeah, yeah, sound. Yeah. And then uh, Greg Williams is playing drums on it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the rest of it's just the two of us. Freddie's playing a bunch of sax parts, and I'm playing a bunch of different guitar stuff on it. Yeah. Who is her sax hero? You know, her sax hero is mostly her dad. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. He was a very good sax player, mm-hmm. and she grew up listening to him play alto around the house a lot. Wow. You know, who's your guitar hero? Um, I had a number of them: Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, Ry Cooter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, Jim Messina when he was oh, doing yeah. that kind mm-hmm. of um, country. Mm-hmm. 
kind of grabbing um, Stephen Stills uh-huh. uh, uh, and, and Neil Young. I played a little, a little bit like those two guys too. Uh-huh. Those are the those are the main guys. Then when you get into swing music, it's a little different because I played a lot of swing with through the Seafood Mama days, and that's a yeah. totally different chop and type Absolutely. of thing. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know I love Dan Hicks. They were a huge influence on Seafood yeah. Mama, yeah. and yeah. Um, the way he just chunk 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 you know right. that that right. thing. I wrote a lot of songs with that feel. You know, yeah. they were. Yeah. I love those guys. Who didn't? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who didn't? A uh, guy who did their album covers was my art director at, 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 when I when I was when I ran the underground newspaper in Baltimore. Is that, is that yes, right? That's oh, right. that's great. <laughs> where's the money? Yeah, where's the money? Where's the money? They had great album covers. Though. Oh, yeah, they really did. Yeah, yeah. even uh, the ones that weren't complicated. Because you ever had some album covers that would, would fold out and they would be they were just they're complicated. Yeah, yeah, very complicated yeah, in yeah. a good way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are the people. Although song singer songwriters were always the big influence on me, starting with Dylan. Yeah. Early early Dylan stuff was when I first got into music. Was this, you know the first folk albums mm-hmm. were so powerful. Mm-hmm. And as he as he transitioned into to rock, I, I was totally with all that stuff. Of course, mm-hmm. the Beatles and the Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my favorite songwriters is some people don't mention too much, but Randy Newman for me, I think is. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he 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 is a really gutsy yeah. songwriter. He yeah. takes a lot of chances and does a lot yeah. of goes in a lot of directions and talk about make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I've seen him a couple times, and I just I'm a huge fan of Randy Newman. Um, just love his work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, geez, you must be living a life of leisure now that you're retired. It sounds like it. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm sure that you, you're thinking about three or four more projects. Well, you know, I'm, I haven't looked any further than these two CDs. These are going to take a lot of work. And, of course, really... Well, it's enough. Yeah, it's enough. <laughs> and as you know, Tom, that you know, your work starts after you finish the CD because the right. market is right. not the same that it used to be. Right. And, um, you know, whether to get involved in a label, whether not to get even yeah. involved in a distributor, you yeah. know, whether you do digital yeah. or not. Right. You know, there's all these things now that make it... It's, it's not as... Um, clear cut as to what is the best way to market something you know right. so I'm, I'm, that's what's on my mind yeah. right now because the record the songs are done I'm just yeah. thinking about yeah. how am I going to what am I going to do with these records you know yeah I was talking to somebody a friend of mine the other day who who um, he gets a lot of promos promo copies people still send out promo copies yeah and um, th- there was a, a, a blues collection that uh, that came out and they also included. They sent out to all the all the, uh, all the proper people who can help 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 them sell it. A '78. <laughs> oh my God! I know. <laughs> Stolen Sweets released the '78 about five years ago. Oh man! Luckily, KMHD, where I, I do a radio show, yeah, has has turntables that where you can, that can, that can play '78s. <laughs> Otherwise. Who would release this? <laughs> wow. It was a great song. Though. Well, and I know that, that some of the younger bands are doing cassettes, which just I can't I understand know. at all. <laughs> I mean, those things sound god awful. I know, but, but, you, but you can make a tape for your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you can still do that on a boombox. Well, I know that, but still, you know, I mean, that's, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. No, I had a million cassettes, believe me. Yeah. I understand, but I would never, yeah. ever... Given the option, that would be probably the last one I would pick. I found I found a box in uh, in, in my basement that had a whole bunch of of uh, air checks of mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shows that I had done over the like the last thirty years. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, fun. Yeah. Really fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> 
I hadn't changed that much, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Including an interview. I used to do a, a radio talk show, on a network talk show. And I just happened... It just happened to me. I know I, I, it, be in this one box. It could have been in six or eight other boxes. But it was my inter- my radio interview with Leon Redbone. Wow. How know. cool is that? And it was right, right around the time he passed away. Oh, man. It was fabulous. Yeah. It was fabulous. I, I started off by going like, and now we're going to talk to Leon Redbone, who's in his, at, at his home near Philly. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I'm I'm in Luxembourg. <laughs> Somewhere luxurious, huh? <laughs> with a 215 area code, okay? Oh. And uh, and he, I'll never forget, Did he said. Did he just pass? Yeah, yeah oh. about, about three, four months ago. And one of my favorite lines of all time is when he said, and I, I said to him, you know, you're always uh, so well-dressed. And he goes, you know, a man's not dressed unless he has a nice hat. <laughs> He, 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 we did, we did his some of his songs, you know, and see when we were getting into that sort of like retro swing stuff. We, yeah, we we, yeah. we used to do Walking Stick, and um, there's another one I can't think of the other one, but uh, I remember Walking Stick because it was the first song I learned that had uh, a diminished chord in. Ah, and I went, and I was going, and and I went, man, that's a cool sound. And now I use diminished chords all the time. Yeah, and, and oh, yeah, it's not funny. I was I was going to mention that when you were when you were talking about chords now a little while ago. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know the. the it's funny because the John stuff that I'm doing with him, because of who he is, you know, chords are such a, a defining, have such a defining quality to them. You know, uh, a chord, um, a chord presents a landscape. That's how I look at it. You uh-huh. know, it's like if you play, if you're just playing an open one-five chord, like in a you know typical Americana kind of folk song type of thing. You know, it just the fact that there's no third in that chord just feels like a prairie to my head, you know? It's like huh. it's just big, it's wide and it's open. Uh-huh. And then you can uh-huh. drive down any part of the desert, you know? <laughs> and it has that interpretation, because without that third in there, you know, you're not minor, you're not major, you're just, it's just a big, open landscape. You, then you just, you know, as you add more notes and extend the chord out, like, you know, like uh-huh. like a joint, joint, like there's a chord we do on the last, Song on the on the Rindy Night album that has minors and majors is all yeah, yeah. jammed together in the same <laughs> chord, you know, and that that feels like a city to me, you know. It's more uh-huh. urban because uh-huh. it's just uh-huh. all these notes that are like packed in together. Yeah, and so it's funny how chords to me have always had very evocative, and and it always sets the tone. And when I start to write a song, like with John, the chords are not going to be that complex it's just not it doesn't fit his style whereas with mm-hmm. Rindy who's Rindy's very um, cerebral you mm-hmm. know very smart human being and so she she's always got three or four things going on in her head at once which fits an extended chord yeah, 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 yeah so got she it. so got when it. I write for her it like it makes perfect sense to do that yeah. Well, how about if we go out uh, with uh, with uh, I, I won't I won't play here anymore. Oh, sure. I won't sing here. Sing anymore. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, no problem. Is that okay with you? Sure. All right. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Appreciate Tom. it. Appreciate it. I was taught that God was poor. 
So we never ever closed his doors We took in strangers But that was before These old church rafters rang When me and mom and dad all sang But I won't sing here anymore We were taught that pride's a sin Judge no one by their skin You walk humble You don't keep score We prayed for those in need Sang songs to end all greed But now the old hymns are ignored And I won't sing here Sing here 